Okay. First Kings chapter 19, and starting at verse 15. First Kings 19, verse 15. Let's look there. Look what it says. And the, Lord, and the Lord said unto him, Go, return on the way to the wilderness of Damascus. And when thou comest, anoint Haziel to be king over Syria. And Jehu, the son of Ninshah, I believe it, shalt thou anoint to be king over Israel. Eli and Elijah, the son of Shephah, or Shephah, and Abed, uh, ugh, these names are the Brother Tom, where are you? <laughs> <laughs> Shall thou anoint to be prophet in this room? I like it because he, he helps me up with these names. These names are hard. I mean, Brother Rosado would be the best one because he, he knows how to do the Hebrew thing. <laughs> I don't know. He, got, he gets those, those, those things out. I was like, hey, yeah. <laughs> Shall we pray? Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, so much for this passage of Scripture. I just, pray as, I just pray, Lord, as we look to this passage tonight, Lord, that you really give us something we can take home with us tonight and be a blessing, Lord, uh, to one another here, Lord. And just pray if there's someone watching tonight that don't know you as Lord and Savior, Lord, I uh, pray that you be, uh, may they open their hearts to you tonight. I pray, Lord, for Brother Bacon, Brother Rosado there in Israel, Lord. Uh, they have been to some illness there. Just pray for their health. Pray for their protection. Lord, help them. Give them, them some, uh, some uh, uh, good opportunities to give Bibles and tracts and witness to people there. Give, Lord, them those divine appointments that they need. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Tonight we're going to look at the title of the message is Back to Work. <laughs> All right. So you go on a great vacation. You out for two weeks. You go to bed like whenever you want to. You wake up whenever you want to. Life is good. Right? Then one day you wake up and you go, I got to go back to work. <laughs> yes. Is run on the table? Yeah. It should be. It should be. I think I throw the outlines in the trash. Okay. One second there. So what happened when we're not professional? I think I throw the outlines in the trash by accident. I am not kidding you. What is it? No, in the, in the, in the room over there. In the middle of our service, in the middle of our service, we playing around here because the pastor threw the outlines in the trash. <laughs> oh goodness! I mean, seriously, I think that's what I did because I had a bunch of paper there. But let's see if this works. I need another vacation, and I'm talking about vacation. Okay, it should, it should be in the printer. Wow. The pastor is sending stuff to the printer on uh, 
as he starts his message. <laughs> okay. All right. It's all good. It's all good. Okay. <laughs> all right. So what was I saying? Let's start this over again. Back to work. So what I was saying is, there we are. You know, you go on vacation. You make your plans. And, and you, have a, you go on vacation. You go to bed whenever you feel like. You know, one, two in the morning, three in the morning, wake up noontime, you know, and you all, you know, cozy and happy, you know, it's hot as can be, and you don't care because you're on vacation. And you feel bad for those who are working because they're working. <laughs> but you wake up one day and go, oh, I got to go back to work. Is that a good feeling? You like your job. <laughs> you like your job. <laughs> Oh, now let me let me put it. Let me turn this around a little bit. Let's say you uh, you've been using by God's God is using you so tremendously, and God and then the Lord gets you, takes you takes you out of where you're doing, puts you in the pew for a time, and you're there for a time. Then the Lord says, "Hey, back to work after a while." Oh, I don't want to get out of this pew. <laughs> It's just too comfortable here. <laughs> well, that's what we see here in Elijah. You know, Elijah went up, you know, he ran away, he walked away. Now it's time for him to go back to work. God's not done with him yet. Did I show in the... In the... Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> it happens. For a time, my wife said that the forks and the... And the plates were disappearing out of the house. I realized I was throwing some in the trash. <laughs> so, by accident. <laughs> All right, so in this 19th chapter of the book of 1 Kings, we have been watching some events unfold in the life of this man named Elijah. We saw how he felt, uh, he fell into pride and became discouraged, and he got depressed and he got defeated. We saw him as he ran into the wilderness and prayed to die. You know, he, he wanted to die. We saw him making a journey uh, to Mount Horeb to seek uh, for, the word, uh, for the word of the Lord. So we saw the, the Lord confronted Elijah and says, Elijah, what are you doing here? And, and, uh, and show him that the root of his problem was that he had allowed circumstances in, the, in his life. Uh, uh, and and that, would, that would kind of was a block between him and the face of God. Because remember, Elijah was at the center of God's will. Then he let circumstances to take over him. I remember actually, uh, I mentioned this a couple of times. You remember one Peter uh, walking the water towards Jesus. And he was walking towards Jesus. Why he began to sink? The Bible's clear what the Bible says. He began to look at what? At the storm. And when he looked at the storm, he lost, he lost focus on what he should be looking at, the Lord. What happens to all of us? We, you can be in the center of God's will then you take your eyes away from the Lord and you focus on something else and you lose it. You know, you lose focus on what we're supposed to be doing. Listen, when we are a Christian person, is a person that always on ready to work for the Lord. should be that way. Like this morning, my department was, was locked up. I'm sitting there. I don't even know. I didn't pay attention to what area I was. And these people work early there, and guess what? This woman comes to me. She starts asking me questions about the church. She knows I'm a pastor, and I invited her to church. I mean, you know, it's 5 o'clock in the morning. Look, good opportunity to talk about Jesus, you know? It doesn't matter what time it is. 
So in those opportunities come like, see, I didn't go ask her. She came and asked me, which in my job is always a fabulous thing because it's zero tolerance. So when they ask you, you just open up. <laughs> when they, they don't ask you, you be a testimony Amen. with the life that you live. So, so these events continue to unfold in the closing verses of this chapter. We are allowed to see the fact that God is not finished with Elijah just yet. Here in this passage. There were, there was days when this prophet had written high. Of course, he was in the center of God's will. God used this man tremendously. But like many others do, he got, he got thrown to a, to a, 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 he took his mind away from the Lord, allowed circumstances to take over him, and he got afraid of a, a woman's statement. You know, I mean, I understand he probably knew about this woman, what she was capable of, but, but Elijah had a great God that could, was a lot more powerful than this woman was. But he got afraid. He got afraid. And we, 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 we see Elijah just moves away from the scene. So, folks, we may, we, we, uh, may we understand something here. Because the Lord might sit us down for a time doesn't mean that he is done with us. You know, there are faces in a Christian life. Sometimes the Lord might use you as a Sunday school teacher. Then the Lord takes that away from you and sits you in the pew. Then the Lord put, if you were a lady, in, in, let's say, in the nursery. And it's a, and listen, it's a, oh, I don't want to go to the nursery. Just serve with joy. You follow that? Just serve with joy. Listen, I, don't give me a class of five-year-olds to teach. All right? Please don't do it because I don't have that for kids. But one day, guess what happened? The Lord got a sense of humor. It comes the, the pastor's wife, Mr. Barboza. Yes, ma'am. I need to ask you a big favor. Yes. I have a class full of kids there. The teacher didn't show up. You want to go teach that class? No. <laughs> and she looks at me with those eyes like, no, I don't accept. No. Okay, I'm going. And you go over there. You know what? Do it with joy. Actually, I had a good time with the kids. <laughs> you know, I had a good time with the kids. You know, I felt like, like Tigger jumping around the whole class just to get the kids going. You know, that was good. Are we sing? We, we talked about Jesus. But you know what? Somebody comes to you and says something about serving the Lord, doing any ministry. Take that as the Lord calling you. Take that as the Lord calling you because they can, the person can go ask somebody else. But the Lord put your name in their hearts. Do it. Do it. But the, what I'm trying to say here, there's the friend faces. You might be doing this today. You might not be doing that tomorrow. My dude didn't do it something else. And it happens this way. And, and that's what happened in the Christian life. But don't get discouraged. If the Lord sits you in the pew, don't be, get too comfortable there. You say, I'm going to be the best pew warm in the church right now. No, don't do that. You know, like, don't sit in the same pew. Sit in different pews, okay? <laughs> but don't let that happen to you. Don't do that. Because we get too comfortable. And we don't want to get out of the comfort zone. Okay? So... Um, where was I? Okay. <laughs> uh, so, yes, God brings, brings uh, let's go back here a little bit. So, for when we understand something, because the Lord might sit us down, like I said, for a time, doesn't mean that he, he is done with us, because we may fall into sin. It does not mean that he, we cannot repent, and the, and the Lord cannot reuse us again, because the Lord can use us again. 
Yes, God bring, br uh, brings him out of this, of this valley and put him back on a thick of the battle for the glory of the Lord. Let me tell you this. God wants to do the same thing with your life and my life. We need to learn from this lesson here tonight that it doesn't matter. If you sin against the Lord and you say, well, the Lord will never use me again. Yes, he will. And yes, he can use you again if he so choose to. He said, well, I was doing this ministry. Well, I don't want to do it anymore because the pastor said not to do this anymore. I, can, you know, I won't do nothing again. Listen to the voice of the Lord. The Lord will give you a different ministry. So let's look at this from several points tonight. Number one, we see the new call. From verse 15 to verse 17, we see the new call. Verse 13 and 14 tells us that Elijah is again asked, uh, is again asked the question, what does, what, uh, does thou hear Elijah? That's God asking him. He said, Elijah, what are you doing here? His response is still the same, old, whiny answer. Note this. God's question here in that verse is in the present tense. Elijah's answer is in the past tense. It doesn't, it doesn't matter what you have done for the Lord in the past. The question is, what are you doing today? Listen. Oh, I used to do this, and I used to do that, and I used to do this. The question is, and what are you doing today? Oh, I used to do this, and I used to do that. What are you doing today? It is good to look back and see how the Lord used us and what we did for the Lord. Well, nothing wrong with that. But to rely, I don't do it anymore because I've already done enough. No, listen, there is no retirement for the Christian. We continue to work until he takes us home. It might not be the same thing that you did before, but we can do something for the Lord. You follow that? So, this time God sits uh, uh, um, Elijah straight and tells him how things really are. God has a threefold plan for getting Elijah back on track, back to work, okay? Let's consider this. Number one, or letter A, the commission problem. Look at a promise, I'm sorry, verse 15. Look what it says. And the Lord said unto him, Go, <laughs> return on the way to the wilderness of Damascus. What God says? Go. Isn't in the New Testament that is the same word we see go? We, say, we hear go. Isn't it Matthew 28 that says go ye? Isn't it the same word? Go ye into the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He's right here feeling sorry for himself. He tells God he wants to die. And God says to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? And now, when he's up, he's healthy, he feels good about himself, God says, Elijah, go. <laughs> Back to work. <laughs> you already rested enough. Back to work. And when I walk to, when I got walking my job last week, uh, I walk in and, and my, the superintendent comes to me, welcome back to work. How are you feeling this morning? I'm like, oh, I feel, I feel very good. Couldn't wait to get here. That was a sarcastic statement. <laughs> and he goes, I can tell. <laughs> he went right along with it. But anyway, he says, he said, go. That's what he told him. So Elijah is told to return to Israel through Syria. Uh, uh, Syria. So there's, there, there, there is one to anoint, uh, 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 I'm sorry, he is to anoint two kings and a prophet. And he is, to, he is given an important assignment from the Lord. So, all right, so you walk away from everything. He got all this pity party thing. He is depressed and all that. Now, he gets healthy. God's take, God takes care of him like he takes care of me and you. And when he's ready to go, God says, back to work. I got a new assignment for you. Folks, the same thing with us. 
The Lord says, you know, I'm going to sit you down. I got something else for you. Listen, be sensitive to the call of the Lord. Be sensitive to His voice. When you read His Word, be sensitive to the reading of God's Word. Because if you're not, you're not listening to the voice of God. If you read for read because you just want to get to a point in your Bible, you're just reading. If somebody's reading the Bible to you, if you're traveling or walking around or walking in the park and you have your things on and you listen to the Bible, listen to what is being said. Listen. All right? Listen to what's being said. It's important because, you know, that's how we hear the voice of the Lord speaking to us. So he's given evidence the Lord is not finished with his life yet. Elijah was not, was not put on the off, I mean, was not, I'm sorry, was not put on the shelf for good. God was going to use him. So Elijah is about to be used of the Lord once again. By the way, folks, what a wonderful privilege. I don't know about you, but I, I, I feel that this way. What a wonderful privilege that is to be used of the Lord. There was a man that was asked to be a deacon in a church. I didn't know that he was asked to be a deacon in the church. Was, but he came to me. I was with another man. We were talking. And he came to he approach us. And he says, he looks distressed. And I said, what's the matter? Actually, the other person is the one you ask him. Is everything all right? He goes, well, the pastor asked me if I wanted to be a deacon. And I said, no, I don't well, I want that. And the other man, I just, just, just like that. He goes, like him. Wow, I would, be, I would be honored of the Lord if, if the pastor asked me for that. What a privilege to serve my local church as a deacon. That was the man right there. I, like, I looked at him. I was like, he looked at me. Don't you think? I said, I think so too. I mean, I didn't try to make the guy feel bad. Not what we're trying to do. But it's like, you know, what a privilege to serve the Lord. What a privilege. No matter what capacity. Listen, folks, I, I clean bathrooms, I wash floors, I vacuum, I, did, I pick up trash, I did all kinds of stuff. You know what? It's in the name of the Lord you do it with joy. Amen. That's it. I mean, we have to remember we had a big activity of youth group activity up in South County, and we have hundreds of kids there. And I was exciting. I, I, I get all my, you know, my Bible verses right, memorize them, I'm going to witness the, the kids and stuff, you know. And I was going to be one of the refs, and the youth pastor comes to me and said, I say, hey, I got a job for you, very important. What is it? So you're going to make sure that there's no trash in the bathrooms. So you want me to go work in the bathrooms? Yes, in the men's bathroom. I was the best guy in the bathroom. I witnessed the kids in the bathroom. And my Bible in my back pocket. And you know, they, you know the guys, you know how they do. They throw the papers on the floor, another paper on the floor. I had gloves on, pick it up. And you know what? You got to be with a smile on. You don't, don't start like, you know, oh, get over here, go pick up your plate. You know, and you know what? I think I witnessed to more people than the other ones did. What a blessing it was. I didn't even know what happened to the field that day. I was doing my job unto the Lord. What a privilege to be used of the Lord, isn't it? I tell you that, folks. So, for sure, this was an encouragement to Elijah because God was going to use him again. Let me tell you, folks, the Lord is faithful. He will forgive you if you have sinned against Him, and He will restore you back again. And the Bible is not... Listen, 
It's not a mistake that the Bible says in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sin, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It's there. So why keep sin in our lives? We can ask forgiveness and we be right in the center of God's will and God can use us. Uh, some, uh, uh, some men sin and, and, uh, and they never reach, some, some men, they sin, and never reach the level of service that they used to because they keep that what they did in their mind. They don't let that go out away from them even though God already forgives them. Others sin and see their dreams vanish away before their eyes. It was the case of Moses. You know, Moses wanted to go to the promised land, and Moses never got there because he got angry. He got frustrated. There was a dream that never came true for him. He saw the land from a distance, but not. he didn't put his foot on the land. But yet others are giving a second chance in ministry. Is a case of Jonah. Jonah was a guy that ran away, run away and God went after him, and he didn't want to know why. He did it. Same thing with Peter. You never know which it will be when you, we make the choice to sin against the Lord. Uh, but if we ask the Lord forgiveness, the Lord can use us again. So are you willing to take the, the, that chance? Are you willing to say, Lord, I'm going to want to be in the center of your will, and I want to serve you because it's a privilege to serve you, Lord. Let me put it this way. Don't you think it's a privilege to serve God? Yes, sir. I, I honestly, I think it is. I mean, you know what he did for me? He saved my soul. If, if, even if it's the only thing that God did for me, it is enough for me to serve Him for the rest of my days. Is it like, oh, you know, oh, go to, oh, I have to go to church? It's not a big sacrifice, folks. Oh, I have to read my Bible every day. It's not a big sacrifice if you do it with joy. Oh, I have to go to church on Wednesday night and I have to get home late and get up in the morning. Yeah, I get up in the morning, get a cup of tea and get up and just get going. You know, when I open, when I close, just drive, keep going. You know what? You know, you get up in the morning joyful, you know, like, you know, I, uh, I mean, I go, I go to work and I see these guys more tired than I am and they went to bed earlier than me. <laughs> and they're like, why are you so joyful? You don't know, I've been at church last night. I've been with God's people last night. We had fellowship, you know. <laughs> so, but see, God, well, God is a God of second chances. That's a little good letter B. We see the commissions piece. Look at verse uh 16, it says, and, and Jehu, the son of, here goes the names in here, uh, Jehu uh, said, uh, shall thou anoint to be king of Israel, and Elijah, shall thou anoint to be prophet, uh, Elijah, I'm sorry, Elijah, these two names are very similar here, to be prophet in thy room. So as Elijah hears the commands, he is given, he's been given by the Lord, he hears that he is to anoint a man named Jehu to be king of, over Israel. This must bend music to his ears. You know what, why not? Why is that? You guys must said, you know what? Ahab is a mot- he's going to go. If, if I'm going to anoint this guy king, that means Ahab is in his last days. Because Ahab is just a wicked king. I can, I can imagine seeing the face of Elijah here when he hears this. See, so in verse 17 give us, gives him the promise that his enemies will perish as they deserve to. What all this, this means for Elijah is that in the, in the end, he, he and his message will be vindicated. In other words, all the events and trials that have... Uh, uh, God, Elijah, physically, spiritually, and mental, and mental reserves are coming to an end. This is God's response to Elijah that he will outlast his battle. Look at verse 17. And it shall come to pass that when that 
uh, escape it. The sword of Hazel shall Jehu slay, and him that escaped from the sword of Jehu shall Elijah, 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 yeah, Elijah slay. So one is Elijah, the other one is Elijah. Right? Am I correct? Yeah. Sometimes we say, if you don't be careful, we say the same thing over and over again. So, friend, you may be walking through some very difficult and deep waters right now. But I'm glad that I can tell you that they will not last forever. Sometimes when we go to some trials of life, we think it's going to last forever. No. You're in the valley for some time. Look up to the mountain. Because you can climb up the mountain. Sometimes you might slip down. Keep going up. Because you know what? We can look up. And as long as you look up, there is hope. You know what, you know what, what the Lord says to, to Moses to do? To, to put the serpent on the pole and says, let it look up and they shall live. We need to look up too. Look and live, right? So... But thank God that there will come a day just as sure as there is a God in heaven when you will walk out of the valley which you had it and then you will hold high and say, praise the Lord that he took me out of that valley. So God is faithful and he will see you and me through the difficulties we sometimes face in life. Yes, there will be valleys in our lives. Yes, there will be trials. Let me put it this way. You ever been in a valley? You ever been in a valley? I've been in many valleys. I believe all of us here been in valleys. Have you been on a mountaintop? Yeah. We've been on a mountaintop. You know, and sometimes like, I was on the mountaintop. What am I doing in this valley? Look what the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15, 57. It says, but thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. In 2 Corinthians 2.14 says, No thanks be to God, which always causes us to triumph in Christ and make it manifest the Savior of His knowledge by us in every place. So as David reminds us in Psalm 23.4, even though we may walk or we walk to the, sh- to the shadow of that, we, f- we should fear no evil. And sometimes we walk to the deepest, darkest valleys. God will go with us to comfort us, to protect us through those things. You know, Elijah fell down. Elijah got depressed. He put himself in the cave. He segregated himself from people. Where was God? Right next to him. Did God abandon him and say, well, what's the use for you, Elijah? No. God went after his servant. God took care of him, fed him, gave him, gave him food and drink, gave him a, a, a shelter for him to stay, and went until he got healthy again. And sometimes that's what we need, a little break. Because, you know what, put it this way, we're not made of steel, and we can break. Number two, we see a new comfort, a new comfort. Look at verse 18. Yet I have left me 7,000 in Israel, all the knees which I have not, uh, I have not bowed down, bow, bow, I'm sorry, bowed into Baal, and every mouth which had not kissed him. So God has comforted Elijah here with his words. Like, he says, listen, I have 7,000 of my servants down there. You're not by yourself. Isn't that encouraging? Isn't that encouraging you're in your workplace and you find another Christian? Isn't that encouraging you, you, you go to a vacation somewhere, you find another Christian? Or you go to a grocery store and a bank or a retail store and you find another Christian? And you know how it is that they speak the same language you speak? It is like, it got so familiar to you, like, oh, 
<laughs> you know, it's one that it blesses your heart. And God says, encouraging. God says, Elijah, I got 7,000 down there. You're not by yourself. Sometimes it's easy to think that we are the only Christians in a workplace, in our neighborhood, and in the places that we go. That we must do everything because there's no one else. And many times, just like Elijah, we get overwhelmed, we get overworked, and we break down. Did you ever have been overworked? I need a break. Usually I need a break from work. <laughs> but it is. So, the Lord knows our frame. Okay, folks? Let me put it this way. Okay, look at me. Okay. You are not made out of steel. Okay? None of us are made out of steel. Okay? We are made out of flesh and blood, and we can break down. Elijah did. And where was Elijah? At the center of God's will, working for the Lord, and he broke down. So letter A, we see the comfort of a kindred kindred spirit. Verse 18. And yet I have left me 7,000 in Israel. Twice Elijah had complained that he was all alone in his devotion to the Lord. Verse 10 and verse 14. However, God tells him that there are 7,000 7, others who have now worshipped Baal. Isn't that encouraging? Elijah is not alone. There are others who will stand with him. He is given hope. And encouragement. Let me tell you this. You're not alone either. Alright? We're not alone either. Isn't that a blessing? You can travel almost anywhere in this world. You're going to find a Christian. And it will be an encouragement to you. Okay? It is good when we understand. Listen. Listen. I'm a very friendly person. You already know me enough. I'm very friendly. I'm very friendly at work. But let me put it this way. They're not my friends. They're co-workers. You follow that? We don't have a lot in common. But if I get to a church where there's Christians, there's something in common there. They're like we already knew each other for a long time. We're the children of God. There's something unique about it. Am I the only one? You see, friend, you're not alone. So whenever it is discouragement, depression, sin, or anything else, you may, you may name it. Others have been through it. And, uh, and, and as you're going through it, let me tell you this. We can encourage each other in the Lord. And that's, and that's one of the things that is so important about the local church. One of the things about the local church is us encouraging each other in the Lord. Let's say, when was the last time we were here? Sunday? All right, we encourage each other Sunday, right? So you went Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday all day, and you go, oh. Then you come and get refreshed. You get to see your brothers and sisters. We chat with one another. We edify each other. We pray to each other. We sing songs of Zion together. You know what? It's a great encouragement. It's not by mistake that the, 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 the early church met every day. They needed that. Let it be we see the comfort of a knowledge, a knowledge, a knowledgeable Savior. Look at verse 18. Same thing. And I have left me 
7,000 in Israel, all the knees which have not bowed unto Baal, and every mouth which have not kissed him. In this verse, Elijah is reminded again that he is serving a big God. The Lord's word, the, the Lord's word merely confirmed that he, what Elijah already knew. God is, uh, uh, is a big God. We serve a big God. It seems to me that Elijah forgot that God, the, the God, uh, uh, that God knew all about him, his problems, his enemies, and in uh, in 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 the solutions for his problem, I must have it must have com- uh, comforted him to hear about those seven thousand people there. It it would do the, the uh, those of us good as we go through the valleys to remember these other Christians. Listen, folks, isn't that sad when we are? We as Christians, we allow us to go to the valleys and like Elijah, segregate ourselves like nobody else exists. We're the only ones and we begin to feel pity for ourselves. That's not a good thing. Let's go to our number three. Uh, our third point is the new, a new companion. The new companion. So the one thing that we must keep in mind here is that after the Lord is done with one of his children, he brings a replacement. You follow that? Listen. We have to accept changes. Okay? When God was done with Moses, what did he do? He brought Joshua. Isn't that true? He, he was done with his servant. He brought another one in. It's the same thing. We have to, I remember at First Baptist Church many years ago, many years ago, when the pastor left there, one of the men, he was totally discouraged, and he said, well, that's it. This is the end of this church because nobody, I was like, well, I believe in a big God, and we, we can get another pastor here, right? We just have to be faithful, trust in the Lord, and the Lord will bring somebody else. And he did. But we shouldn't be that discouraged. But let me tell you, when Moses was done, came Eli, I mean, uh, came Joshua. And right here we see a new companion coming on the scene here as the Lord is about to be. See, the Lord sent Elijah back to work. It is a mission for him. But gradually the Lord was going to take Elijah away because somebody was going to replace him. And we have to be willing to accept changes. Letter A, we see they enjoyed fellowship. Look at verse 19 and 20. It says, And so he departed thence and found Elijah, the son of Sepha, who was plowing with twelve yoke of oxen before him. And he with the twelve, uh, the twelfth, and, and Elijah passed by him and cast his mantle upon him. And he left the oxen and ran after Elijah and said, Let me, I pray thee, kiss my father and my mother, and then I will follow thee. And he said unto him, Go back again, for what have I done to thee? So when Elijah went into the wilderness, he left his servant in Bathsheba. In verse 3, he was alone. Remember, why did he left his servant? Because he was depressed. He wanted to be alone. That's one signs of depression. People have a tendency to be to segregate themselves. So he wanted to be alone. He left his servant. And now that he's healthy, now that he's coming back, back to work, the Lord's given him a gave him a companion. This talks about a lot about the way the Lord wants the way the Lord wants us to be. The Lord doesn't want us to be like trees in the desert. 
alone. He brings somebody along the way. So Elijah was to be a companion of Elijah and would take Elijah's place when his ministry ended. God gave him a man who was like-minded. Elijah was a man with whom Elijah could fellowship. They both shared the common call from God and they both wanted to see the Lord honor, be honored and glorified. So these, these were men who could fellowship together. Listen, if we have things in common, we can fellowship together. Right? Right? Okay, you sit with a couple of fellows, they're not Christians, they're not saved. You can tell right away, you try to fellowship with them, you can try right away, their language is not your language. Isn't that true? You can tell immediately they, they, they speak different. They're, they're more worldly. They're more, they're, they're way they use the language they are different than yours. But you find a fellow Christian that has the same language you have, you have a common bound. Much different. You see, so be careful with the friends that you choose. So they both share common, a common call, like I said. So the Lord uh, said, thank, I mean, thank God for the fellowship, let me put it this way, of, of the saints. I really don't think any of us know just how desperately we need one another. We need one another, folks. Far too many Christians want to be like the lonely ranger, you know. They're lonely ranger on top of their horse. No, that's not the way the Christian life was designed to. Even Jesus had 12 disciples, right? So we, as Christians, should have friends, Christian friends, people we have, speak the same language we speak and believe the same beliefs we believe because it's good to have friends. It's good to, to have fellowship with friends. It's a good thing. You see right here, God gave him a, a somebody to fellowship with. So don't be a lonely ranger Christian. See, God called one of us God didn't call none of us to be a, lo a, a lonely ranger. He called us to be active in his work, seeking fellowship with his people. You know, actually, Hebrews 10, 25, do not forsake the assembly of yourselves together. There's some truth on that. You know why? Because by doing that, we make friendships. Listen, you're not going to have close friendship with every person in the church. You follow that? Yes. Oh, long, okay, all right, okay, good, thank you. <laughs> I got you later. <laughs> but anyway, he's making faces at me. <laughs> it took my, okay, but anyway, uh, uh, Hebrews 10.25, it tell, it tell, uh, I'm sorry, 10.25, yes, it tells us to not forsake the assembly of ourselves together. Was, where, what's the truth there? Is that we need fellowship with one another. We need to be together. You know, I feel bad that since COVID, actually, that many people left the church. You know, they watch the church online. I think, you know, we did a good thing as churches to, to uh, upgrade our, uh, our sound systems and, and, and make a state of the art and spend thousands of dollars so they can have this wonderful, you know, uh, uh, picture at home with good sound and everything. You know, we made it so comfortable, they don't want to get out of the couch. And folks, this is not just here. Just as like I, I travel and I see, I see, I was in Florida, I see big churches with empty parking lots since COVID this happened. Why? Because what? They don't need the fellowship with other Christians. I can watch it at home by myself. Thank you very much. That's not the way God designed us to be. He designed us to be together. Let me give you an example here, okay? 
a pastor was visiting a member who had begun to miss a lot of time out of church. As they sat near the man's uh, fireplace, open fireplace, the pastor tried to encourage the man to get back in church into the fellowship with other believers. Uh, and a member responded to the pastor saying, Preacher, I don't need to go to church. I can, do, I can do just fine here by myself at home. Don't worry about me. I'm not going anywhere. I'm good. Without saying a word, the pastor picked up a pair of tongues and removed one, one sherry uh, red coal from the midst of the fire and put it aside away from the fire. And before you know that little piece that was red hot turned gray and died. The backslidden member turned to the pastor and said, Preacher, I will be at church Sunday morning. I got the message. That's exactly where we are. You know, we, I don't need this, I don't need that. And before we know, we just like a little tree dying in the desert because we don't have fellowship, but we desperately need it. We need that fellowship. See, this is a quote from, uh, I don't know if this is a good example, from a, a nearly converted alcoholic should cause, uh, he, said, he said, they should cause the church to consider this man. I mean, it was an, uh, a converted man. He was an alcoholic, recovered an alcoholic. He said, the church should consider this manner of fellowship. He says, you know, the only thing I miss in the fellowship is what he says. I miss to have, well, uh, I miss, uh, I miss have, I'm sorry, I used to have, he go back again. You know the only thing that I miss in the fellowship I used to have with all the guys down at the tavern. We used to sit around, laugh and drink, uh, uh, drink a pitcher of beer, tell stories and let our hair down. I can't, find, I can't find fellowship like that with Christians. No, he's not saying, he's not saying that we should go ahead and get the beer and sit around and drink and talk and tell stories. He's saying, he's like, there's no fellowship in a Christian church. That's what he's saying. I remember in our home church, when there was quite a few men used to say, we don't have fellowship here. Just go to church, go home. Go to church, go home. Listen, folks, don't avoid fellowship. It's great. Yes, we need that. Yes, Every person in this room ought to take upon themselves, the, you know, our seriousness to have fellowship. You know, you know, I understand. Listen, I think we have a lot of fellowships in this church, don't we? I think we do. You want a fellowship on Saturday, just come in. Free coffee, free donuts, free, free uh, uh, whatever, muffins. You know, just come in, sit down, sit around, laugh for a couple of hours. Sit down and enjoy. He said, really? I said, yeah. Every Wednesday night, we have fellowship. I don't get home until 11. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> fellowship, isn't it? You know, on Sunday morning, you walk in, there's fellowship. There's donuts over there again. Come early enough. Don't come at 10 o'clock for Sunday school. Show up at least at 9, 9.15, you know, so you can sit down and talk with somebody and enjoy fellowship. Yes. We run on Duncan. <laughs> Maybe we should have a little, a little coffee shop over there, right? <laughs> but, you know, you know, fellowship is wonderful. It's good. That's where you make friendships. You, you, you build friendships, and it's good. So let it be where we see. We see they enjoyed friendship. Look at verse 21. And he returned back from him and took a yoke of oxen and slew them and boiled their flesh 
with the instruments of oxen and given to the people, and they did eat. Then he arose and went after Elijah and ministered unto him. I like the conclusion words of this chapter, and ministered unto him. God knew that the burdens of Elijah carry were too heavy for him to bear alone. So he gave him a confident friend to, to peer around with him. He gave him one to walk beside him through the valleys and through the difficulties of life. Isn't that good to have somebody next to you? Absolutely. Isn't that good to call a friend? At least you know somebody that is there that is going to talk to you. The value of friendship, it's wonderful. And God gave him one right here. Notice that God told Elijah to meet three people in verse 15 and verse 16. Notice also that Elijah is the first of Elijah's meet right here. God put this man in the prophet's life to help him along the way. The word minister in verse 21 means to attend, to contribute, to serve. This describes the, 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 the kind of friend Elijah was to Elijah. So he filled the void in the, in the life of the man of God and helped Elijah, Elijah fulfill this task, this task and calling. So when, whether, whenever, I'm sorry, whether, yes, we will admit or not, we all need that kind of personal ministry from time to time. Listen, folks, we need friends. I need friends. You need friends. Don't go around and say, I don't need any friends. I'm, I'm good. I feel bad for you if you think that way. Oh, I don't have any friends. I feel bad for you. I'll be honest with you. Oh, I don't have, nobody likes me. I don't have any friends. I can't make any friends. Why do you have so many friends? I'm going to tell you the secret of it. Why do you have so many friends? I have no friends. You've got a problem. You know what? That's why we need to go to the Bible. Okay? So, whether we admit or not, we all need that kind of personal friends. Go to Proverbs chapter 27. You at home, go to Proverbs chapter 27, verse 17. So we need that kind of friendship. You know why? I'm going to tell you why. Especially in the Christian life, we need those kind of friends. You know why? Look at verse, uh, Proverbs 27 to 17. It says, iron sharpeth iron, so a man sharpeth the continent of what? His friend. You see that? They sharp each other when they are together. Friendship. So, Elijah was given to Elijah by God. He said, God, Elijah, you need somebody that thinks like you, talks like you. I know the guy for you. He brings Elijah to him. So, basically, we do not need to cut ourselves from other people. We need friends and companions as we go through life. What a blessing to have someone to, uh, to talk with. What a blessing to have somebody we can trust, to have a friend who, who hurts with you, who will help you bear the, uh, your load when you're crying, we, we will be there for you when you're discouraged, we will pray with you, and if you, if, uh, if you ask so, we we'll cry with you, we we'll laugh with you. You know what? The Bible even says, laugh with those who laugh and cry with those who cry. That's friends. Oh, so-and-so is crying over there, I feel bad for them, and we walk away. That's not Christian-like. Christian-like is going, you, we put our arm around and say, what's wrong? Is there anything I can do for you? Can I help? Yes, You'd be surprised how many times they open up to you and they say, yes, I need this and you know, something happened to me. This thing I'll be praying for you, that's a lame excuse many times. Yes. We say, I'll be praying for you and we never pray. Yes, 
We just walk right out. Well, I'll be praying for you. I feel so bad for you. I'll be praying for you. And we never pray, not even once. <laughs> See, whenever we still, we need human interaction. You know, I'll go back here a little bit. Certainly we have that kind of ministry in the person of the Holy Spirit, of course. The Holy Spirit of God is in us. Then there's, there's the Lord Jesus who is a friend that's ticket closer than a brother. Proverbs 18.24. However, we still need human interaction. We have the Holy Spirit in us, right? We have Jesus who's ticket closer than a brother. But we need human interaction. That's right. Am I correct? Yes, sir. We need uh, the human interaction. We need somebody we can talk with. Somebody can hear us and talk back. You know, Elijah at God, God took of him, but in the end, God gave him a friend. Give him Elijah. See? I mean, we all remember, let me go back here a little bit. Oh. Let us resolve to ask God to put someone in, you, in our life who will keep us be accountable to the Lord in all that we do through life. Imagine the ministry of Elijah had, I'm sorry, imagine the ministry Elijah had in the life of Elijah. May we all remember that the true friend is a blessing beyond value or words. If a person has a, as many as one or two genuine friends, he or she is a wealthy person. So the following story I'm going to give you a story. It was from the Civil War. Let me give you the story. Out of the furnace of a, of a war come many stories, of course. But this one goes with this message. Uh, uh, let me put this. During an attack, one of the men during the Civil War was critical wounded in a field filled with barbed wire and obstacles, and, and he was unable to crawl back to his foxhole. The entire, this, uh, the entire area was under uh, wiring enemy crossfire, and it was suicidal to try to reach him. Yet his friend decided to try. Before he could get out of his own trench, his sergeant hold him back and said, I give you orders, you do not go get your friend. It's too late, and if you go there, you're going to die. A few minutes later, the, uh, the officer turned his back, and instantly the man was gone after his friend. A few minutes later, he staggered back mortally wounded with his friend now dead in his arms. The sergeant was both angry and deeply moved. He said, what a waste that just happened. Your friend is dead and you now are dying. Isn't just a waste with almost his last breath, the dying man replied, Oh yes, sir, it was not a waste. And he goes on, he said, When I got to my friend, the one thing that he said was, Get this, I knew you would come, Jimmy. That's a friend. He was willing to lose his life to go get his friend. Even though his friend died, and he died in the process. His friend in the field, when he got this, he, I knew you would come. That's a friend. One of the true marks of a friend is that he is there when there is his very reason for him not to be there. When 
the sacrificial thing is too costly, but he's there. Actually, go to Proverbs chapter 17, 17. The Bible is very clear. It said, I don't have any friends. Nobody likes me. I don't know how to make friends. The Bible tells you how to make friends, okay? Look what it says. Proverbs 17, 17. A friend loveth all times, and a brother is born for adversity. See? A true friend is a person that loves the other person all the time. That is, that is what a friend is. He just shows up and loves you for the... For, listen to this. A friend is a person that shows up and loves you for who you are. Put it like this. This is me. You either like me or don't like me. <laughs> right? You want to be my friend? That's who I am. If I decide I want to be your friend, I'm not going to tell you to change. I'm going to love you just the way you are. Don't try to change people. <laughs> so, he just shows up and love, loves you as you are, rather than asking, I, I, do have, I don't have any friends. Maybe we should be asking, am I a friend to others? When you become a friend, when you become a friend, you will have plenty of friends. You follow that? Look what is, go to Proverbs chapter 18, verse 24. I don't have any friends. I don't know how to make friends. How am I going to make All right, the Bible answered that question. Why you don't have any friends? I don't know. Nobody like, I don't have any friends. I don't know. I'm always alone. Okay, look at Proverbs 18, 24. A man that had friends, what it says, must show himself Friendly. If you're walking around with the head as big as a buffalo, grumpy as can be, mad as can be, you know, how are you going to make friends? People are going, something is wrong with that thing. I think he just ate a horse for breakfast. Whoa. You know, but you're friendly. People open up to you. You go to work, hey, good morning, how are you? What's wrong with you? Good morning. In New England, people say, what's wrong with you? You know, if you, you show yourself friendly. Amen. Then, you know what? You go all kinds of places and people know you and they go, hey, how are you? You know, might not be a close friend, but you're a friend. Amen. You're a friend. I went to the dispensary a couple of weeks ago to get a test done. And uh, I'm sitting there. I mean, I recognize everybody there because I've been there many times. But, I mean, it's been like a while, like almost a, a year, close to a year since I've been in, in the dispensary. So I came out. I'm sitting down in the waiting room, and this woman comes out, one of the nurse comes out. He goes, hi, Mr. Barbosa, how you doing? I was like, I'm doing good. Long time don't see. You know what? You be friendly, you know. There you go, back and forth. So we had a good conversation, and she did all the tests and stuff. I'm like, see you next year. <laughs> but a man that had friends must, the Bible says, must show himself friendly. If you're not a friendly person, more than likely, I would say you don't have many friends. You follow that? If you don't, have, if you don't, if you're not a friendly person, more than more than likely, I feel I would say I feel bad for you. Because you're not going to make many friends. But if we are friendly, I believe you're, going to, you're not going to, like, oh, not close friends, but 
Everywhere you go, if you show yourself friendly, you'd be surprised how people open up and talk to you in a friendly way. Well, I conclude with this. As this chapter, as in this, this chapter in the life of Elijah comes to an end, we find, find him well on the road to recovery. He is back doing the Lord's work. He went back to work. But the Lord did something right here that we shouldn't take to account tonight. The Lord gave him a friend. That's what the Lord gave him. He said, Elijah, I know you. I don't want you to go back to the cave. I don't want you to go back to segregation. I'm going to give you a friend. Isn't that great? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, so much for this passage of Scripture tonight, Lord. And, Lord, how wonderful it is to have friends, to have people that care about us, to have people we can talk with, 